We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Recorded live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Wamba here in Dallas, Texas, the United States of America, with my wife Karina Mwamba here in Dallas, Texas, broadcasting on Talk Show from the Mwamba World Outreach School of Ministry and the Word of Life Bible Church. We are here for you here in Dallas, and we want to bless you, reflecting this week, especially on the Passion Week. This is the week that we remember the suffering of Jesus our Lord and his death on the cross of Calvary for the remission of our sin. You know, um, I've, at this time, like uh, when I was in Africa at our church, we would have a week of activity. Sunday will culminate into a service where we had sketches by the Sunday school. We had sketches maybe sometimes by the men's fellowship, women's fellowship, depicting the, uh, the trial of Jesus, depicting the crucifixion of Jesus when he died almost 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. And so it really is something very moving. You know, when you really think of it, God's wisdom is beyond human comprehension. Um, and uh, what what really blows my mind is that uh, human beings all over the world came to realize that this Jew, the Israelite, by the name of Jesus, was actually the Son of God. You understand? Because, you know, people stumbled over this man, Jesus. Because, you know, they looked at him, he just looked like, like anybody else. <laughs> That's why even, uh, you know, uh, in our days, people stumble over prophets, stumble over really men of God who are anointed, because nothing really differentiates between the anointed and the the what we might call the general folk, the rank and file folk. People you meet, you know, uh, on the street, people you commune with daily. You, you won't see any big difference because if you're anointed, there's no sign that says anointed. You see what I'm saying? You just look like anybody else. So from that perspective, many stumbled over Jesus Christ, not recognizing the hand of the Lord and that he was God himself. But he said it. You see, this is one thing you need to realize. You got to say who you are. <laughs> Nobody's going to say it for you. You see, Jesus said he who has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. If he didn't say it, who's going to say it for him? You've got to speak forth your future of who you are. You know, Jesus said, he who comes to me will come to the Father. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. There's nothing wrong in saying you are a man of God. There's nothing wrong in saying you believe God has anointed you. There's nothing wrong by saying that. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said it about himself. He said, I'm the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
He says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He announced it himself. People, that's why they got so annoyed with him. They say, you, you say you, you, you put yourself equal with God. This is blasphemy. That's what they said, the Jews. Because they never heard a person talk like that before. But he spoke with authority. He spoke with that action of the Spirit. See, Moses never said he was seen me as seen the Father. No. Moses was a servant of servants. He was a leader leading the people from captivity into freedom. Joshua didn't say he was seen me as seen the Father. Even King David. None of the people ever said what Jesus said. So Jesus was announcing of who he was. So God leaves that to you to announce of who you are. You've got to go out there. You've got to put up crusades. You've got to go out there. You've got to broadcast. You've got to go out there. You've got to go on television. So we have all the pastors who are on television. We have all the pastors who are on television and doing the work of God. You know, why? Because they do believe that God is with them. They do believe that they've been assigned with an assignment from above. They do believe that they they will make a difference when they step out in faith, believing that God is with them. It's very important for us to realize that, that God is with us now, and we are headed to do exploits in him. You understand? God is the God of all flesh, and God, when you obey him, he will do exploits in your life. See, many people underestimate the power of God. That's why they do crazy stuff, because they think they put God on their same level. And that is crazy. You've got to realize that God is God, and we are just human beings created by him. But many people, they, they play a game with God. So this is important for us to, to, to realize that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is supreme above all life. God is the one who mediates through Jesus Christ between himself and mankind. But we are to obey the word of the Lord. We are to flow with the spirit of God. We are to walk in the integrity of God. Well, this week is a week of what we call the Passion Week. That's when Jesus suffered a lot. That's when Jesus died died for us at the cross of Calvary. And so I challenge you today to follow us as we get into this study. In the book of Matthew, that's where we are reading today. Book of Matthew and chapter number 26. We are looking from verse number one. Book of Matthew, chapter number 26, and we are looking from verse number one, hear ye the word of the Lord. Here the Bible is telling us, in actual fact, in my Bible, it has a subheading where they say, plot to kill Jesus. Plot to kill Jesus. Listen to the word of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. 
Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people. And the elders of the people unto the place of the high priest who was called Cephas. And consorted that they might take Jesus by subtlety, subtlety, which is by trickishness, and kill him. Verse number five of Matthew 26. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Verse number six. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this worst? For this ointment might have been sold for, for, for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. Verse number 11 of Matthew chapter 26. For you have the poor always with you. But me, you have not always. Verse 12. For in that she had poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verse number 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Here in my Bible, I have a subheading where it says the treachery of Judas, or the trickishness of Judas, or the cunningness of Judas. Verse number 14. Then one of his disciples, one of the disciples, or one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests, Verse 15, I said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, friends, here we are now getting to the close of the time period of the ministry of Jesus on earth. He had been with 12 disciples who were very close with him. These 12 disciples ate with him, shared with him, slept where he slept, wept with him, received the accolade, and uh, uh, they, they witnessed thunderous applause as people welcomed Jesus. They witnessed Blind eyes open, the lame walking. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him do outstanding miracles, things they had never seen before. But you know, he was on a mission. And he was coming to a time 
when he would be an offering for all of us. But you see, just because Jesus was to be an offering for all of us, Judas did not need to betray the Lord. You see what I'm saying? Just because somebody must do evil, <laughs> don't you be the person the, the devil is going to use to do evil. You understand? This man, Judas Iscariot, he chose to be used of the devil to sell the Lord Jesus, to betray him. Never be a vessel of evil. Reject it to the very roots. Be a vessel of righteousness. Volunteer to be a vessel of praise. Volunteer to be a vessel to be used by the Lord to conquer the kingdom of the devil. So Judas Iscariot chose willingly as a vessel of the devil. But you see, it was a temptation. Why not Matthew? Why didn't Matthew sell the Lord Jesus Christ? Because Matthew never allowed the devil to come into him. Why not Peter? Why didn't Peter sell the Lord? <laughs> Same reason. Peter was cautious with his spirit. He didn't expose himself to doubt and unbelief. Why did John? Why, why didn't all these other disciples do it? Because these men were committed to the vision of their master and they wouldn't sell the Lord. You see, just because some people are falling doesn't mean everybody in the church is falling. Just because some people in the in the world are not believing doesn't mean there are no remnants who are still believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. At the time when Judas Iscariot was betraying the Lord Jesus, guess what? Peter was still obedient. Matthew was obedient. John was obedient. Thomas was obedient. The rest of the disciples were obedient to the Lord. Friends never volunteer to be used of the devil in wickedness. Always Check yourself that you are in the spirit. Don't allow the enemy to use you for destructive means. There is a mission that the devil has to hinder the work of the Lord. And he's lo looking for uh, volunteers. Those who are going to volunteer and say, hey, hey, I'm going to do it. Like Judas Iscariot, you see. This man Judas is look. The Bible says, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest. He went by himself. He went to the chief priest. The chief priest didn't come to him. He went to them. You see, every time you are going under, it's you who introduce yourself to negative forces. Nobody grabbed Judas Iscariot by the hand and said, let's go and plan how we're going to sell Jesus. No. Judas went too. You see, when people go to bars, nobody grabs them by the hand, let's go. They go to the bar. You see what I'm saying? When you go to do evil, you, you take yourself there. If you restrain yourself, evil is not going to come. See, temptation will come. Thoughts will come to do wickedness, but you do not step out to do it. The Bible said that one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest, you see, and said unto them, What will you give me? And I'll deliver him unto you. What will you give me? And I'll deliver him unto you. People are looking for quick rewards in life. What can I get out of this? You see, that's why deals are always going on on the streets. What can I get out of this? 
So you got to be very careful when you do you strategize for things. For people say, "Oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this." People are always looking for what they can get immediately. People strategize to 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 to, to have that immediate pacification. But you know, whenever you go for for quick entertainment, quick money, quick wealth, quick popularity, these things you do quick, they don't last. Anything done in haste, it doesn't last. It's things you do with the gravity. You know what you know what I mean by gravity? It's things you do with the sober thinking and planning. You know. People who become great never got there in a day or just at a whim and bang, they are now popular. No, no. You read about Walt Disney, how he got broke, how he borrowed money from his mama, borrowed money from his brothers, borrowed money from his father-in-law, and got everybody broke. The people he started the business with him for Walt Disney, they all left him and he got jobs somewhere and they started working. But because Walt Disney had a vision within himself to bring an entertainment world to to make people laugh and become happy, he stuck with it. And because he stuck with it, it worked. And all these people who had left, most of his friends came back. Now, it's Walt Disney, Disney World in Florida, Disney World in California. What am I saying? Blessings don't come instantly sometimes. It takes time to build your life. Things don't happen in a flash. You've got to be steady. You've got to be steady. My wife is going to read later on as we go from uh, Matthew 26 from verse 17 to verse number 29. So what am I saying? What I'm saying here is that the Lord is a gracious God. God, you know, whenever you look for schemes to be rich quick, this quick, that quick, you are headed for destruction. So here is Judas Iscariot. And said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. He had already thought it out. He had already planned it out. See, that's why it's important to garnish or govern or you know, guard your mind because your brains are very important. The devil influences your mind and can, can pollute your thinking system and cause you to start to think evil. Before anybody does anything, you plan it in your heart. See, Judas Iscariot had already planned. I think even the 30 pieces of silver, <laughs> he had planned of what he was going to do with the money. See what I'm saying? What he was going to do with the money. What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Now, this money at that time must have been a big amount to him. But look at how we look at it today. What is 30 pieces of silver? Man, people are billionaires. You understand? People got big, huge. People, people, they are rich people in this world. <laughs> Billionaires with money. You know what I'm saying? They don't even know what to do with it eventually, but they invest. Like the richest uh, uh, man in the world uh, here in America. You know, they just give to the cure of diseases in Africa, in India. In, you know, they start helping people. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, they're committing, I think, $1 billion for some uh, help to help 
kids in education and the cure of diseases and stuff like that. See, money, you know, this guy at this time, his mind was so affixed on those 30 pieces of silver, it was the whole world to him. You know, like uh, T.L. Osborne said, if you have never handled money and you get maybe uh, $1,000, to you it's huge money. It can drive you nuts. You see what I'm saying? Many people say, you know, uh, when I have a million dollars, then I'll give to the work of God. No, God begins to trust you with money from small amounts. What are you going to do with $5? What are you going to do with $10? What are you going to do with $20? Stage by stage, that's how God increases your faithfulness. T.L. Osborne said, the way you know a person how he's going to handle money is what he does with $20 or $10. See, when we are faithful to the Lord, he will start to entrust us with big amounts of money. You know, big amounts of money. And so here, Judas Iscariot is taking 30 pieces of silver to sell the master. So in other ways, we can see the power of money here. Money is the thing that caused this man to sell our Lord. The devil used him. And he used money to sell Jesus. So which means money has got a lot of power. Yes, it has. Because, you know, without money, you can't build a home. Without money, you cannot buy transportation. You cannot have a car. You cannot have clothes. You cannot have food. You cannot have a place to sleep without money. So money is very important. Now, since money is so important, and Judas Iscariot used this money to sell the Lord, we can tend the the tables around. We can use the same money to build the kingdom of God. You see what I mean? We can use the same money to put the gospel on the air, to buy airtime, to buy television cameras, to buy and get into broadcasting around the world. I see here. Oh. We welcome you, Texas, on the call. So, beloved ones, let's use money the way it's supposed to be used to propagate the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if I had to receive right today a million dollars, I know where it's going to go. Build a Bible school, buy airtime, build a big church, propagate, preach in Africa, go to the furthest point of the world and propagate. That's what I'll do with the money. You know, your character is how your money will flow, the way you are. Those who drink, they're going to blow it in nightclubs, go to Vegas, go, go gamble. But let's use money to build the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible tells us here, and from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. I'm now on verse, I'm on chapter 26. I'm reading from verse 16 of the Bible. I'm on Matthew 26 and verse 16. And listen to what uh, this man was doing. He says, and from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. You know what that means? 
this guy began to strategize of how he was going to deal with the Lord Jesus. You know, the devil has got strategies against us. He always plans on how we're going to tumble. He always plans on how we're going to fall. He always plans on how he's going to get us. But you know what? Paul said we are not ignorant of the schemes of the devil, of the strategies of the devil. You know, it takes time before you really fall. (laughs) There are steps to falling. This man could have changed his mind right here, right here, and said, you know what? What I'm doing is bad. I got to stop. See, whenever you are led to do evil, get that second thought in you. Rewind. Rewind yourself, you know. Even like people who say, me, I'm short-tempered. They start kicking walls, blowing doors, kicking into walls. and <laughs> Rewind yourself for a moment and calm down. Rethink yourself. Is this thing I'm doing right? Is this thing going to lead me to uh, bless people or bless my life? You have to judge yourself. That's what Paul said. Judge yourself and see that you are in the faith. Anyway, the amazing thing is Jesus knew that he was going to die. He told his disciples there in Matthew 26, verse 2, he said, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. He knew. And then he said, then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Cephas, and consorted that they might take Jesus in trickishness and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now, Jesus knew that he was going to die. In the uh, department of the devil, strategy was there of how they can take him out. The Bible said further there that, verse 6, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But the disciples saw it, when the disciples saw it, that indignation saying, to what purpose is this worst? For this ointment might have been sold for so much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you. But me, you have not always. Now, Jesus is coming to the close of his life. And you can see that the disciples were not discerning it. This woman comes to Jesus and breaks an alabaster box of precious ointment. This is precious perfume. Very expensive. In fact, he says it took a lifetime of working to buy this this perfume and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. 
The Lord, by his grace, working through this woman to pour the favor of this perfume on Jesus. John Austin, John Austin once preached and said, you know, that, that woman, in fact, is believed that this was Mary Magdalene who did this, unto whom seven devils were cast out. He said, he said you know, ah, this ointment that was poured on Jesus, that woman, what she did, she prepared him for burial. He said that when Jesus was being tried in the, uh, 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 before Cephas, the high priest, and when they took him to Pilate, and when the, the people started spitting on him, when the people started slapping him, when they put the crown of thorns on him, when the, these soldiers started beating him and tearing his clothes, almost leaving him totally naked, but by God's grace he was covered. He said in all that beating, when the people chose Barabbas instead of him, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and as he walked through to go to Golgotha, where he was going to die at the cross, he said every time in that bitterness and sweat and blood, that powerful perfume, that smell was still on him. John Austin said at least that smell of perfume reminded Jesus that somebody loved him. You know, when you give a gift to people, with the genuineness of heart, they'll remember you. That even if things go wrong, when they look at your gift, they say, at least somebody loves me. Oh, at least somebody cares for me. You see? You never know the impact of your gift when you give it to somebody in need. That's why, you know, I don't get tired to give drop money on people who are like you go into a shop they are sitting there and their hands stretched out for help. Many people say, hey, uh, come on, don't give them the money. Just spending it on drugs. They want to just go smoke. They want to do this. But it's true. Some do want to do that. But let's not restrain ourselves from giving because I'm telling you, some people are really in need. Really in need. I saw this woman pour this ointment. And the, the disciples couldn't discern it. They became jealousy of what was poured on Jesus. They said, man, this could have been sold for so much and given to the poor. But Jesus said, the poor you have always, but me you will not have. Always. What does that mean? Opportunities to do good sometimes can slip away. When we have a chance to do good in life, let's do it before that opportunity drives away. Well, my wife is going to read further as we go on with our study. We're going to look at the Last Supper. and. Uh, the Last Supper, uh, my wife will read from Matthew chapter number 26, reading from verse number 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparation for you to eat the Passover? Verse 18, he replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. 
verse 22, they were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't need me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Read on. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Verse 28, this is my blood, the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. Well, I hope the microphone was close to my wife's uh, voicing, that it will be clear to you, but... Uh, Listen, what he's telling us here is that uh, the, the feast was going to take place of the unleavened bread. And the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? This was a, a normal way of celebrating the Passover. And he said to them, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I'll keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. One thing you see here, Jesus is not begging for this man that he uses his house. You understand? The Lord gave an instruction. You find such a man. You see, God knows those who are ready to serve him. When you receive a call from the Lord, God knows you're going to yield to it. That's why they say there is uh, like Calvin, who was a great theologian from Europe, said, he, he talked about predestination. That means God has marked you and predestined you of who you'll be and where you're going to end up. You see, when he places a call on your life, he knows you're not going to reject it. These disciples are asking the Lord, where are we going to go? He told them where to go. He said, just tell that man that we, the master says, prepare a place for me. You know. And so guess what happened? Guess what happened? They went there and the man was ready. He didn't say, no, who is that master? You see, when God, when you get that intuition in your inner man, God knows you're going to accept it. God knows you, you accept to be a pastor. God knows you're going to accept to be an evangelist. God knows you accept to be an usher or just a singer in the church. God knows you're going to be there to do whatever God called you to do. Maybe an intercessor just to pray. God does not make a mistake. When he sent them to this man, he said, the master saith. <laughs> this man didn't say, who is that master? No, he did it. Verse 19. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover, which means the man gave them the house, and they made ready the Passover. 
Now, when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. There is nowhere where you get a strong bond than when you eat together on a table. As a family, when God gives you a nice home, you have a place to feast, to eat. There is that, uh, what they call, uh, dialogue. And then there is a, a, a com- communion in between family members or friends. Uh, there is this theological terminology they have for such a fellowship. You, you actually take of the other in your discussion and in your communion. To the extent that you are deep born. So while they are eating, he tells them that someone is going to betray you. You see, the devil mainly, he'll get you with the people who know you. See, the devil is not going to use people who don't know you to bring you down. It's the people who know you. That's why presidents are always very careful who is their right-hand man, who is their left-hand man, because their downfall is determined by the people who are close to them. You see, the people you associate with determine who you be. Like somebody said, show me your friends and I'll know who you be like. See? If you hang around with people who are creative, people who are inventive, people who, are, who look to succeed, that's who you'll be too. Because you're within that community. And so, he said somebody's going to be training. See? And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same who shall betray me. He said, He that dippeth. That means he who is going to, when I take a, a scoop of food, and he puts his hand with me, that's the one. Guess what? It happened with you. That's kind of. All those were chances for Judas to repent. You see, before you really tumble and fall, before you really get into destruction, God, God will give you chances to recall yourself, to recollect yourself, to bring yourself to the normalcy of life, to your senses in a, in a way. And uh, he said, the Son of Man goeth, as it is written, of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. You see? It, is re- it was written that Jesus would be betrayed, but let us know. You volunteer to betray the Lord. Just because the way where you are in the church is destined to go under. Let not the devil use you to bring that weight down. You understand? Don't be an agent of the devil to bring the works of God down. Don't be an agent of the devil to block the flow of the Spirit of God. Don't be used by the devil as a vessel of destruction. Be a vessel of honor. Be a vessel of blessing. Be a person the Lord can rely upon. You know? He said it was better that person was not born. Then Judas which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? This guy knows me 
And he's even asking the Lord, is it I? And the master said unto him, thou hast said. That's another chance for this guy to repent, but he never did. See, the, in the progression of life, God gives us steps and stages and chances to recollect and repent. But some of us are so stubborn. We just want to go our own way. We don't want to do what God wants to do. We're just going to go our own way. You know, uh, sometimes I follow these stars. I read here, there, look at their life. I see this guy who was hooked up on drugs. He got hooked up on drugs. His wife found out he was doing drugs. But instead of stopping, he continued in the act. The drugs destroyed him. The drugs destroyed the family. The drugs destroyed his future. You see, when you get exposed in doing evil, recollect yourself and repent. And start afresh in life. And so we see here that Judas, even though the Lord confirmed that it was him, he couldn't change his mind about betraying the master. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink it henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This was the cutting of the covenant in a sense. He did it before the disciples. He blessed the bread, which was a representation of his body. He blessed the cup of the vine, which was actually a representation of his blood. So take it and drink all of it. He said, I'm, uh, after I drink it, I won't drink again until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. Now, you know, this, when this was being done, do you know that Paul was not there? When this was being done by the Lord, the Holy Communion, the Last Supper, do you know that, that Paul was not there? But, you know, when you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible said there, Paul speaking, he said, he said, and the Lord, in fact, he talks of a revelation. Uh, let me read it to you. Just stand by. I got a Bible here with big pages. Uh, let me read it to you. First Corinthians chapter 11. And looking at verse 17. Listen to what Paul said. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there is divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be no heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, listen, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is angry, 
and another is drunken. Now, at this time in Corinth, they used to celebrate the Lord's Supper, so they would bring food from home. But many people who make it a day of peace, some would drink and get drunk. So that's what Paul is correcting them, the proper way of doing it. Verse 22 of First Corinthians and chapter 11. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now, look at verse 23. This is what I'm trying to get at. Paul was not there when the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper, when he did it with his disciples. He wasn't there. But look, verse 23, what he says. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. See that? Verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Verse 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord and worthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh, and worthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Verse 31. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be Condemned with the world. Verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. 34. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Now, I've read all this just to say this. Listen. Paul was not there when the Lord was, you know, instituting this Lord's Supper. He received it by revelation. So there are things in the church we men of God receive by revelation. We are not lying. When somebody said, God say to me, they're not lying. They're speaking the mind of God. When they say God instructed me to come to Tausa and build a church in Tausa, they're not lying. This man was not there when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. But he said in verse 23, for I have received of the Lord. What does that mean? I have received of the Lord. What Paul is saying is simple everyday language is God has shown me and told me about the Lord's Supper. So there is continual revelation in the body of Christ. 
We cannot stay like dummies in the church. You understand? I, in my spirit, I sense things. I can tell when something is not right. My, my spirit goes banana. <laughs> if things are not right, where I'm going, something is not right, my spirit starts telling me prompting me, check things out. You see what I'm saying? There is a, a witness in every one of us. We children are witness. That witness is not there for just play. You know, people think the church is the dumbest uh, community of people there is. No! We have an invisible God. We have that invisible Holy Spirit who speaks to us. Why are there prophecies? When somebody prophesies, they're not lying, my friend. It will come to pass. Why? Because they are ahead of, of God. But you see, today we are seeing that Jesus getting ready to be crucified. He died on the Friday, as it is Good Friday we celebrate. He died and was buried. But Jesus rose the dead. That's the most amazing thing. All of us are looking forward to the day we're going to be with Jesus. All of us are looking forward to the day we're going to be in heaven. This Christianity we have was bought with a price. So I challenge you, beloved one, this Easter, do some good deed to somebody. Pour some alabaster box of ointment on someone. Bless somebody. Go to the house of God. Give beyond the giving that you have given before. Sacrifice something like this woman did. The priest had what she has done today shall be mentioned also with the gospel in memorial of her. My friends, it's important to leave a positive legacy than a legacy where when your name is mentioned, people start shaking their head. Uh-uh. Don't let when your name is mentioned, people start shaking your, their head. Let when your name is mentioned, people get excited. When your name is mentioned, it brings hope. When your name is mentioned, it brings that uh, of your great deeds. What great deeds are you going to do for humanity? What great deeds are you going to do for Jesus, the kingdom of God? Jesus says, the poor you have always, but me, you don't have the What did he mean? The opportunity to serve God does not come all the time. The Rema times to save God do not come all the time. When you have that quickening in your spirit to give to God, do it. I remember when I was in the house of God, they started calling for people to start to give. You know, I was uh, traveling across the United States, but I've never given that being in a church. But when this preacher started talking about, let's give for mission. I gave $400 of my traveler's checks. I had $3,000 on me. $3,000. And I went to this shop. They were expensive clothes, and I didn't know it. And I was spending like crazy. I spent almost $800 in a shop buying clothes. And I went to this I signed traveler's checks. $400 I gave in the offering. Why? Because I was prompted by the Holy Ghost. When God prompts you, do not restrain yourself. Step out and do something big for God. You know, 
God is going to reward. You never know how God rewards you. He's going to open doors, maybe, where you couldn't have even found yourself going. Doors will be opened in places where you couldn't have even expected yourself to be. Why? Because you have been faithful to the Lord. You have given the best that you have. Amen. So I challenge you today, beloved everyone, as we are getting into this passion week, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus paid. Don't be like Judah. If you are not sin against the Lord, repent and ask the forgiveness of the Lord. Now, sometimes you know, people call on the church and call on men of God. And suddenly, they stop going to this. No, we gotta be stable in life. You can't plug in, plug out, plug in, plug out. For how long are you gonna do that? How long are you gonna plug in? Not for me, plug out. Pentecostal believers, plug in. Baptist church, plug in, plug out. No, we want you to be stable. Plug in and stay there. Come on now. If you plug in and plug down your life, can you read? If you plug in and plug down your life, no. Be plugged in and stay plugged in. Jesus. You know, I have, uh, you know, friends on the messenger. We have discussions that are not going on. Uh, there was something down of what he's doing. He doesn't have conviction of what he's doing. That's why he's like Friends, let's do I want to pray with you right now we wind up this teaching. Master, we do bless and thank you for this wonderful teaching. We thank you that you are faithful and you are alive forevermore. You are alive in heaven and you are alive by the Holy Ghost. We bless you, Jesus, that you walk this earth for three and a half years, exemplifying what the life of purity can be like. You were compassionate, you were a miracle worker, and you did mighty signs and wonders to prove who you were. Those who did not believe, it was really against their conscience and against the witness of your people. I pray today that, Lord, you make us an, as an example to the world by the way you can access your glory from our lives, blessing you for our lives, that we shall celebrate in this world and we shall lift up the balance of Jesus and say, Jesus, though we were crucified and buried, he rose again on the third day and is alive forevermore. Therefore, bless us, Master, we have the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray. As everybody agreed with me, I say, Amen. Well, God bless you. I remember to talk to you again. The three bishops of the world remember signing out from Dallas to Tennessee. God bless you. And Bye-bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.